I'm Arie Schwartz, along with my co-host, Rachel Galligan, and welcome to the WNBA Insider Show. Each week, we cover different topics important to the W, using X's and O's, along with key stats to bring honest and critical analysis. Rachel, this is an exciting episode. It might not be as exciting as our next episode, the GOAT debate, but this one, um, and I'm going to kind of let you take lead early on, is we're going to be talking about two sides of the coin. On the one side of the coin, you got the Phoenix Mercury, who will be the second team we cover, but they're on an eight-game win streak, which is just ridiculous this early in the in the season. And then we got a team that was on top of the mountain, kind of king of the mountain, who has been knocked down with a three-game losing streak, the Connecticut Sun. Rachel, initial thoughts on Connecticut. Initial thoughts on Connecticut. Well, I, I think there's a lot to kind of take in here, but nothing that is too worrisome, in my opinion. Um, there's a few things that I think we're, we're kind of seeing right now. My first point being that we all know this is a condensed schedule. Um, what's happening this season is tougher on these women um, and these teams having to play the volume of games they're having to play in a short amount of time. Um, not to mention, you know, you run into some very, very difficult road swings um, and difficult travel, which are taxing on your body as well. Um, now, the good news is for these teams is, is everybody has to face that. Um, everybody has to play that, that type of schedule where it's condensed. And, and each week, you know, some teams have an easier week than other teams have. But I think what we're seeing with the Sun here is, you know, they, they started out hot. They started out great. Um, there's no doubt in anyone's mind that they're extremely talented. They're very well coached. Um, you know, I've made the comment before, that, you know, they're not a one or a two-headed monster. I mean, they're, they're, they're a complete unit with – you know, five or six monsters, if you, you could argue. Um, so, you know, I, I think that through the course of a season, each team is going to have peaks and valleys, multiple of those. And that's what we're kind of running into right now with the sun is we're seeing a little bit of a valley, um, a road bump, if you will, where maybe kind of that momentum had stopped. They rode that wave as long as they could. And they, they did a lot of great things, beat a lot of great teams. But, you know, you, you now you're running into uh, some injuries, um, you know, Shanae, um and also Alyssa with her shoulder, Alyssa Thomas. And so, you know, the injuries combined with um, it started out with the Mystics. Um, and that was, that was, that was a tough game. You know, obviously that was at home, but, but they had to play the mystics again, which we knew was going to be a polar opposite, um, I guess, matchup than what it was the first time. I mean, the sun routed the mystics the first time, but now, you know, they had, they had a healthy Washington team coming in there. Um, Elena, Elena Deladon was clicking on all cylinders, um, had an incredible lead and they almost blew it. You know, the, the sun were able to almost come back and get that victory. But so that kind of, you know, was a, probably a very difficult loss to swallow, especially at home. And then you follow that up with, in my opinion, just an extremely difficult road swing. You got, you have to go all the way, you know, to the West coast. Um, you're, you're playing back to back against two extremely talented teams in the storm and in the mercury. Um, so you combine the travel, you combine the um, condensed schedule, you combine the injuries, um, and that's why we're seeing them kind of on this little three-game lull right now. Yeah, I mean, uh, even to take it further, they have dropped four out of the last six games, so that is concerning. You know, something that, that sticks out to me, even real quickly, th- beyond what you were saying, yeah, it's a back-to-back, but even they play Mystics, then they have a travel day, and for those te- those people who don't know, 
it's not as easy when you're traveling from Connecticut to get to these other places. Often they have much longer and much more complicated travel schedules because of the proximity of airports and stuff like that. So not only are they playing the 13th, then they have one day off kind of it's travel day. They play on the 15th and then they play on the 16th. So like that, I mean, even tenfold what you're saying, but something that's interesting to me, I know we spoke about this was, and not to knock anything, but slightly easy schedule to start the season. You know, they start, I won't look at preseason because they do have a couple of good games there against Sparks and Wings, but they start the season against the Aces. I think everyone considers that a must win, an easy win, if you will, for them. But then they move on to L.A. and a 102-94. And again, that's before Candace Parker returns. And then they got, you know, the fever, the sky before they take on the Mystics and they routed the Mystics. Do you think that, I mean, it's hard to compare the Mystic Suns games because the first game they just dominated them on all aspects, beat them 88-64. In the next game, the first half of the Mystics looked like a revenge ploy. I mean, like, they just, everybody was on fire. Every Like, they weren't missing. They were just doing everything right at every moment, like a 29-point lead. Is it as simple as saying, you know, that, Mystics are going, it, it's a different, talk to me, I guess this, talk to me more about why you say it's a different Mystics team from that second game to the first game, or the first and second game. I think the Mystics hit a lull earlier in their season. Uh, they had their own set of injuries. Um, Elena was out. Um, they had a few others, you know, that were out with, you know, just some illnesses, some, some you know, kidney stone type things that, you know, kind of really altered their momentum um, that they had going into the season. You know, they started out 4-0, and and then they, they hit a lull kind of quicker than what, you know, even the Sun are right now, you could argue. Um, so I think when they played the first time, it was a different look. It was a different um, – the Mystics were just in a different – probably a lower position. Um, I, I think we would, we, could, we would all agree that the Mystics were not at 100% uh, when they first played each other. And that's really the difference. Now, will you want to sit here and say, well – were the Mystics at 100% in the second matchup, definitely were a lot better than what they were the first. And, you know, I had ha- I had the chance to talk with Kurt about that, and, and he knew that, and everybody around that knew that, you know, hey, you know, guys, we, we did this to them the first time. I think everyone knew it was going to be a different look. Uh, Elena is back. I mean, I can't talk at, enough about how much she impacts the game on both sides of the basketball um, having to that I mean that 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 completely changes your game plan that completely changes your strategy that completely changes everything and how you approach a game for the sun so just having Elena Deladon back in that second game not to mention you know she completely threw the mystics on her back when they were trying to give it away she completely threw them on her back and just powered through that I mean she was like it's superwoman capacity <laughs> you know I wanted to talk about that for a moment because often if you follow sports or follow basketball, there's a lot of hoopla talk about the Michael Jordan fever game, right? Mm-hmm. Elena Deladon, when is she going to get that respect of, I mean, I don't know how healthy she was. She obviously played a game before this and then came in and played the, the Connecticut game. But I mean, she's not a hundred percent. And like you said, she put the team on her back. Can you speak about that a little bit? I mean, I was just blown away. Well, you know, we're getting ready to have this debate about the greatest of all time, and I'm still up in arms about who I think, whether it's all time or currently, whatever that may be. You know, I've got an argument 
from my one of my angles of about Elena. You know, in my in my opinion, she is always been someone I've looked at as man. She she is just different. She brings a different skill set, a different um, mentality to the game that is just so incredible. I mean, she she has the capability to be the greatest player in the league right now and she shows it in flashes and it's moments like that where it really shined through in that game what she's capable of doing Um, and single-handedly down the stretch took control and did what she had to do to literally will her team to that victory um, with with having an entire sun team fighting back and throwing everything they can at them in that second half and I mean you know Elena I think the biggest um, not knock because it's 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 unfortunate but you know she, she runs into the question of her health, uh, the question of can she play a long periods of time without having to be out or getting, you know, getting sick or something happening. It's, it, it's, it's unfortunate, but I think if we could see her kind of remain healthy and remain on that page and continue to, um, you know, just have a little bit of consistency, um, then I think we would hear more, ta- more people talking about her in that light. That's not to take away from the fact that, you know, I think I speak for a lot of people that would agree she should be in the topic of discussion of one of the greatest playing right now. And, and she showed it. She's proven it. She's proven it time and time again. She proved it when she was with the Chicago Sky. Um, and, and really, def- definitely that last game. And so if she can remain healthy and continue to have those moments and put that team around her playing at a high level, you know, then I think that that's when she can start getting a little bit more consistency from her playing standpoint, her health standpoint, and also just in the conversation of being, you know, one of the one of the greatest. I agree with that. I mean, her and Candace Parker, their ability to really play any position right. just boggles my right. mind. I was live when the Sparks took on DC uh, in DC last week, and it was so impressive to see these players who literally have the skill set to do whatever they want on the court. And, and when they say it's, it's my time to shine, it's kind of just like, it's like there's nobody else in the stadium. They are just, it's poetry in motion, but back to Connecticut before we get sidetracked too much, I want to talk to you about something that's been a topic of discussion on this podcast since before you've even come on. Connecticut is the multi-headed monster, the Medusa, if you will. Uh, You know, you cut one off and another one grows back. I don't know if that's the proper uh, reference. But Connecticut, in my mind, has always lacked that that go-to score. You know, they have everybody on the team. JJ can score if they need. Shanae can, Alyssa Thomas, Courtney Williams, Jasmine Thomas. And then I'm not even getting into the bench because this could take us forever. What is your thoughts on on this? I'm going to propose something to you. This team needs that one go-to scorer for when the clock's ticking down that they know can just create their own shot. And I've seen a lot of things from Courtney Williams that, to me, voices, and if you saw my tweet a few weeks back, I kind of went in on that and got a lot of respect and a lot of hatred for it. But Courtney Williams, to me, is that player that needs to take the leap this year if, if Connecticut's really going to jump to a, a, a title contender. Because I'm not talking about a one-and-done game. I'm talking about a series where you need someone who can consistently produce at times of need. I guess I look at it a little bit differently. Uh, and there's probably many people that will disagree with this because, no, they don't have the superstar. You know, the Brianna Stewarts, the um, Elena Deladons, you know, uh, those types of my amours, you know, the, the, the people that we're talking about here, they don't have that. Um, but I, 
I would almost argue in some capacity that 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 model, not that it's necessarily a model, but that in itself is not enough to go in a championship. You know, um, I guess I err, and maybe it goes back to my college coaching experience. <laughs> um, you know, I, I've, I've seen a lot of teams and, and the teams that have had the most success, um, and I guess I speak with both, especially with what the Connecticut Sun are doing right now, the teams that have um, – the most success and have the ability to go win championships are the multi-headed monsters because you, you know, at any given night, it's anyone's given night and it's, it's more of a well-rounded approach. It's more of a, um, you don't know who's going to go off. You don't know your game plans can change because anyone's got the capability to, to have a great night. And so defending them is extremely difficult. And we're, and that's why they're up at the top of the league in terms of, you know, what they're scoring and what they're doing, um, you know, offensively. You know, they're, they're still leading the league in scoring. You know, they're averaging 90.5 points a game. Um, and that's not because, well, they've got, you know, one, one or two people just, just going at it. They've got a bunch of people. I mean, right now, you know, you've got just, just barely, you've got, you've got four people averaging double figures and you've got two others that are just on the, the, the brink of averaging right at about 10 points. So again, I, in, in my opinion, and some people might agree with me, I think that multi-headed monster, um, understanding that all of those monsters <laughs> uh, bring something completely unique and different to the table and are great players. And then we throw in the Kurt Miller aspect of it is he is one of the greatest coaches in women's basketball. And I will continue to stand by that. So they're well coached and they've got this multi-dimensional approach. And so I feel like that approach, they do have the tools to win a, to win a title. They don't necessarily need that go-to uh player or not even necessarily a go-to player, but, but that big name, uh, that, that big superstar player that, that some of these other teams have because they make up, up for it in so many other ways. So they have the tools to go win, win a title. There is no doubt in my mind. I don't think they're lacking hardly anything from that standpoint. Um, and I don't, I don't think that's the difference at all when it comes to whether they can win a championship or not. I, I, part of me agrees with you. I mean, uh, you know, for example, the Shakina Strickland shot, they have people like everybody on their team can make that last second shot if need be. I mean, Strickland's not a starter. Obviously, there's an asterisk because she was a starter and can be a starter. For me, it's I I want to pl- I want one of their players to really show me that one-on-one scoring ability to really do that. And and that's what I'm seeing from Courtney Williams. Her pull-up shot is just mind-blowing. Sure. And I can't stress that enough. Just mind-blowing. Her ability to do things. I did think, uh, you know, going back to that Washington game, first of all, I also want to add this in real quick. I still look at it as the greatest comeback of WNBA history. I don't care they didn't win the game. They were down 30 points, and they came back and took a lead. Okay? To me, they made the comeback, and the comeback was a wash. All right? They made the comeback. So they made the greatest comeback, and then they lost the game. Two separate things. That's the way I look at it. I know I'm crazy. I know I'm wrong, but that's fine. No, I don't think you're crazy at all, and I don't think people necessarily have talked about that enough. What that com- what that comeback shows, what that comeback means, um, what that comeback means. Just from them, do you know how difficult it is as a competitor to be down that much? I don't care how competitive you are. I don't care how bad you want something to be down that much, and as a collective unit, not be deflated or um, even even subconsciously have have something taken out of your sails and and not just 
throw in the white flag, even subconsciously. And so that what they were able to do in that game was incredible in that second half. I mean, it truly was. Um, now, what they ran into was Elena Deladon, a superstar who, who you know, really just willed her way to the end. I mean, you, you give that game another five minutes, I mean, it's very possible and probably very possible that the Sun had the momentum that, you know, they were going to win that thing. So, you know, that, that comeback was tremendous. It truly was. And I think it speaks volumes to the mentality of this team, the coaching of that team, and what they truly have and what they're working with. And so I think, you know, you look at that, that comeback and, yeah, although in the, in the win column you see an L, um, but if you dissect it a little bit further, it just makes you even more impressed what the Sun are able to do, um, the tools they've got in their repertoire and, and kind of the way Kurt Miller's coaching them right now. And so I'm not worried about this three-game lull right now. I'm really not. I think it's I'm – I'm not I'm not trying to make excuses for anybody, but they're just facts. They are cold, hard facts about the travel, the injury, um, the things that each team are going to run into that, that this – this point in the season um that's 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 something it's it's the adversity that each team's going to face and we're seeing that right now with them um but it will be interesting to see how they respond from it you know now they've been able to be home for a few days um to recover um have an off day on monday they get some time to you know recover their bodies hopefully get a little bit healthier you know i think it's still going to be determined as to um the status you know of shanae and at for friday um but you know, as, as big of competitors as they are, if you know, if they, they can play, they will. Um, and here's, here's another interesting thing, you know, that Sun are going to the dream and the Atlanta dream are an interesting team because they, they were the first team to kind of knock off the sun. Nikki Collin was on Kurt's staff. She understand his she understands his philosophy more than anybody in the league right now and how to beat them. So this game Friday is going to be very interesting to see how they respond from this, uh, how they respond from this week. Um, how their bodies respond, how the, you know, the health, you know, the, the rest and the health, all of that, not to mention now a big test and going to play the Atlanta Dream, who was the first team to really take them down when they had that. And then momentum. even on top of that, I mean, just looking at their next four games, they play the Fever twice, who, you know, hey, they got their first win, so watch out, they might be streaking. But they take on the Dream so they can get some, I mean, they're taking on two teams, or one team, the Fever, twice, that they should win both those games on Sunday and Wednesday. And then... Sprinkled in there, you play the dream who beat you last time. So now you have your opportunity to get revenge. And then you play the Mystics again and you get that opportunity to get revenge again. So, I mean, I think we're going to learn a lot more about this team. Not to say that we haven't learned a lot, but we're going to learn a lot more. Can they come back similarly to what the Mystics have done and beat teams that have beaten them? And that, that says a lot to me. Also, something that hopefully we can get Kurt on the show sometime soon because I would love to talk to him about what it takes when you go up against somebody who worked so closely with you for so long, how much of your game planning changes and how much of it is, is chess games that, Oh, I typically do this. So Nikki thinks I'm going to do this. So I'm going to do this and, and all that craziness, right. because I don't think enough people give credit to the game planning that goes in to this league. Right. Right. No, you're, you're exactly right. And um, that that's uh, it's not a disadvantage, but Nikki knows everything about the Connecticut Sun. <laughs> she knows how they work. She knows her players. She knows his philosophy. She has been she has spent countless nights, uh, all nighters talking X's and O's with with Kurt. And so it's uh, it's very interesting. I'm very fascinated just with when those two play each other. It's it's interesting to kind of see how that works. You know, I, if I had to guess, 
prediction. You know, I, I feel that the Sun will get revenge. They'll go down to Atlanta. You know, they're going to be clicking on more cylinders than what they were before. They can get that win. You go up against the Fever, which you know you got to think you've got to get those wins. And the Mystics coming coming back to kind of the, the Mystics point. You know, we've seen these teams play each other, and they were two extreme cases, two very extreme cases from you know polar opposite teams uh, from a Mystic standpoint playing each other. So for me, this is kind of a um, I guess maybe the tiebreaker, if you will. You know, I'll be interested in that matchup um, in D.C., assuming hopefully both teams are healthy um, and, and feeling, you know, 100% or as close to it as possible. That, that's going to be a great one. And like you said, we're going to learn a lot about them as we have um, thus far. But, you know, I, they, they've proven what they're capable of doing. And um, you give them some time to rest, to regroup, um, you know, I would not be surprised here if we see them just go on another complete four-game winning streak through this stretch. I wouldn't either. Now, moving on to our second team of the day, the Phoenix Mercury. A really interesting team. A team that, as much as, as they have their issues, they're on an eight-game win streak. And just to give you an idea of who they've played in this win streak, all right, so they lost to the Mystics 103-95 on the 30th. Moving from then, they have been a machine. They move on, they beat the Lynx. They move on, they beat the Dream. Then the Liberty. So, I mean, the Lynx, you can say what you want. The Dream and Liberty, they definitely should be winning those games. Sky Aces also. So they do have kind of a lull of, I don't want to say easy games, but games that they definitely should be winning considering who's on their roster and how they've been playing. But then, here comes the interesting part beating the, the Wings, and then beating the Sun in a really good game. And now they're the hottest team in the league right now. I mean, the Mercury are a team that, for me, it boils down to a few things. And this is going to sound like I'm just, like, listing off names, and that's why they're doing good. But I, I'm just going to break this down, and then and then Rachel pop in or cut me off at any point to, to add in your two cents. Dana Taurasi is playing prime basketball right now and I mean she is playing Diana Taurasi prime she's logging in like 30 to to late 30 minutes so she's getting an insane amount of minutes in the game which is something that they struggled to do over the past two years with her and now she's getting it and she's producing I think her worst game so far was against Washington in that loss early in the season when she only tallied nine points only took you know it only took three eight-pointers, but more importantly, she only made one. That was by far one of her worst games this season. But then you move on. Brittany Griner is doing Brittany Griner things. The two people that, to me, have really solidified this team and kind of going under the radar, we talked about this last week, Rachel, Duana Bonner has been playing. On a, I'm just going to say this, and I don't, feel, I don't feel stupid because I'm looking at her stats, MVP-style games. I mean, <laughs> she's just been dominating – I call her the Slim Reaper um, because that nickname has no no kinship to anybody right now. And honestly, that's what she's doing. She's just going around, knocking down buckets, stealing the ball, playing amazing defense, and she's been very quiet about it. Every time people have talked about her, it's been about her as a comeback player, not her as just an amazing player. And that really frustrates. And then finally, Grand January has been such an important piece to this team. So important, and and that trade is just looking better and better for them. I mean, I, I still think that Indy won that trade, but if Mercury continue on this streak, I, I 
I don't know how I'm going to continue uh, taking that side of the argument. What have you noticed from the Mercury, just as a generalized theme, why they're doing so good? I don't even know that I could necessarily answer that because um, it's actually, you know, it's very incredible what they are doing. Um, and, and, and the interesting part is, you know, that they've played so many games. I mean, and they're playing them um, in the same time frame that everybody else, you know, so they've played 13 games, whereas, you know, LA's only played 10, whereas the Storm have only played, you know, 11, Connecticut Sun have only played 11. So they've, they're playing a lot of games too. And so you would, you would think, my gosh, when, when are they going to like get like a chink in their arm or when are they going to kind of start to break down a little bit? Um, but, you know, I, I'm looking at the schedule. I, I can't see anybody else right now that's played as many games as they've played, which is an interesting thing to think about because we're talking about this condensed schedule. We're talking about injuries. We're talking about. So I think some of it probably is a little bit of luck. I think, knock on wood, they've been able to kind of, you know, remain healthy. Um, I think they're hitting a wave right now that is um, – it's dominant. It is dominant, I think. But to think that this is going to maintain through the rest of the season is probably a little bit unrealistic. Uh, it's, I mean, I would be, is it possible? Yeah. But to maintain this level of play that they're at right now is going to be, you know, against everything I'm saying in terms of each team hitting a lull and hitting um, kind of a, a downward spiral. I've got to believe at some point they're going to hit that. Um, just like every team is, is facing right now. We've seen it with uh, the Mystics. We're t- we've been talking about it with the Sun, and so now with the Mercury. I think it's gonna it's gonna be interesting with them playing the Lynx on Friday. I, yeah, don't you think? I think that's a big time matchup, um, especially with you know kind of with the Lynx right now. You they had that little week of they called it a mini training camp, and and they came out in dominant fashion, did what they did against the Liberty, and so. You know, I think that game's going to speak a lot about where the links are at. Um, it's going to speak a lot about kind of how how can how is it that the the Mercury are maintaining this level of play? But what's for me as a basketball coach, you're looking at this and just what we're seeing. Um, Brittany Griner's playing, you know, some of the best basketball of her, of her career. You know, she's 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 completely dominant right now. She's you know right, right over 20 points a game. You got Diana Taurasi arguably the greatest of all time in many, many people's minds is playing some of the best basketball. We're, we're going to debate that later <laughs> I, this week, Rachel. You Come know on. Me. I'm just going to play devil's advocate, devil's advocate with everybody. Uh, but Tarazi's playing extremely well. Uh, the Brian January is, is a, I'm not going to call her the X factor, but you bring in a veteran guard who's poised and who's experienced and she knows um, how to play with a dominant inside presence and a dominant player on the wing. She knows how to get that ball, you know, get the ball where it needs to go. But it is so hard to play against teams who have such a dominant inside presence and such a dominant outside presence. The, the ability to stretch the floor, the ability to game plan against that is so hard because who do you take away? And not to mention how, how defending Griner just within, her, within itself is, is, you know, nearly impossible to some people in this league and, and the different game plans that have gone into what's the best way to guard her. Well, if, if you focus on that, then that opens up Bonner and that opens up Tarazi and that opens up, you know, Sancho Little, who, who, who's been playing very well too. And so they are a machine right now, absolutely a machine. And they've got some of the greatest players in the league right now playing some of the best basketball that they've played in their careers. And that's why you're seeing this eight game win streak. That's why they're doing what they're doing. I think, you know, you, you they've been able to remain healthy. They've been, but they've also proven, Hey, we're going to go on the road and we're going to be dominant on the road too. Um, so I don't know that, you know, we're talking about it enough or whatever, but it's, 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 it's very incredible what the Mercury are doing right now. 
but I will stand by what I said. There's going to be a point in the season where they hit a lull. Um, everybody's going to. So um, they're playing great. Um, they, they, they have to be in the topic of in contention. They have to. With the, with well, they, they, they have two players who are averaging 20 points a game. And then Duana Bonner, who's averaging 15.6 points a game. I mean, that's... Oh, it's crazy. How do you stop that? And, and right when they're, when they're clicking, and that's why I think there are certain teams that match up against them really well, and that are, you know, that's Connecticut, that's Minnesota. Um, I think Dallas also really matches up against them really well, and L.A. really matches up against them really well. And my biggest knock ever against against Brittany Griner, and it has been for many times, is is how she competes against these, these top players in her position. Typically, and I tweeted this out, got some flack, got some negative feedback from people who wanted to go back to Chicago days. I was saying how when the Mercury beat the Lynx in, the, in their most recent game that they played, the one game they played this season, um, just looking at the stats, it was pretty wild to see... Brittany Griner beat Sylvia Fowles in that game. I think they they got around the same amount of points. Griner at 21, Sylvia only at 16, but Sylvia obviously had more rebounds, 11 versus 9. They each had like two or three assists. Um, that was the first time for me, and that was an, a wake-up call where I saw, okay, Brittany Griner can compete against Sylvia Fowles. And my biggest knock, like I've said, has always been her ability to compete against top-tier players. So, when she's going up against the Candace Parkers, the NECAs, depending on, on how they decide to split up coverage on that, you know, when she's going against the, the Glory Johnson, the Liz Combejas, or all these others, that's where I really start to get going and, and thinking about it. And that's why Seattle's a team that I think would have some trouble taking on Griner and trouble taking on this Mercury team. For me, I'm really judging where the Mercury are at when they go against these, if you want to say historically top teams. Um, and how they respond to that. But having Bonner as, you know, your your right-hand woman, as your right-hand big, is how do you defend that? Like, what do you do, Rachel, when you have somebody who's so big like Brittany Griner, and then you find, like, so often you have to double-team her, and who are you going to leave open? Well, and that's, yeah, that's the question in probably every coach's mind <laughs> when they play them. It's pick your poison, um, you know? And it's, it's pick your poison and someone else is going to have to beat you, but you have to decide who are you going to, who are you going to try and eliminate and who are you going to try to get in the, the ball in their hands more. Um, it becomes a very strategical game plan of percentages and shot selections and things like that at that point. Um, so I wish it, if I had that answer, I'm telling you, <laughs> I'd have about 10 rings on my finger right now, but you know, it does. I, I'm with you. You're right. It's, 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 an, it's an incredible question because, and I said it before, she's that X factor. Duana Bonner is the reason they're doing what they're doing right now. They didn't have that last year. Now they do. That's not to take anything away from January. She, she, she's been a great piece to this puzzle, which has brought a ton of composure to the table from a leadership uh, standpoint, uh, facilitator standpoint. Uh, but Bonner is the X factor. Uh, but I think what's interesting, you know, looking at their minutes per game, I mean, just, just look at this for a second. Brittany Griner's playing 33 and a half minutes a game. Dewana Bonner's playing 32 minutes a game. Tarazi's playing just over 31 minutes a game. So 
they are playing a lot of minutes. You know, go you could go through the league. Anybody listening, you know, go through and just look at some of the different minutes that some of these teams are, are playing uh, their teams and their rosters with. They're, they're playing a ton of minutes and they've played a ton of games. And so it is. It's it's a huge credit to them as to okay. The level they're playing at right now, the shape that their bodies are in, the way they've been able to maintain that to the stretch, but it does pose that question again. I've said it. You know, is that gonna? Or is are they gonna run out of gas at some? Point? Well, that's it's interesting. I've heard Sandy Brondello, head coach of the Phoenix Mercury, talk a lot about this, and Diana Taurasi talk a lot about this. How she's in the best shape of her life. She's playing amazing. Blah blah blah. This this and that. But you have to think. I mean, look. I'm just looking at it. She's averaging. Like you said, minutes per game for Diana Taurasi, 31.2. The last time she averaged that many was in 2013. The year before that, I mean, she only played eight games, but she was averaging 20 minutes. We're talking about the types of minutes that she was logging in the first half of her career. And and how's that going to last as the season goes on? And they are relying on her very heavily. And the thing that's interesting is, I mean, looking at the roster – I very, very much so have faith in Yvonne Turner, you know, Talbot, Leilani Mitchell, Camille Little, Marie Gulich. I have faith in them, but they're really not getting that many minutes. Now, something else I want your take on is playing Diana at the two versus the one. We know that the last time that they had the the trio, if you will, of Griner, Bonner, and Tarasi together – they were playing Tarasi at the one because they didn't have a capable point guard. Then they tried to bring in mm-hmm. D-Rob last season so they could push Tarasi to the two so she can you know, be more of a focal point on their offense, less of a shot caller on their offense, if you will. Um, can you just talk a little bit about what that does to Tarasi as part of her game? Well, just from a coaching standpoint, it definitely alleviates a lot um, of... I don't want to say effort because that sounds negative, <laughs> but it takes a it takes a lot away from her. Um, how difficult it is to have the ball in your hands that much um, to be doing what it takes as a point guard um, that is required. It's extremely difficult, and I think that's a great point you brought up. I think that has helped them in their favor tremendously, and as a direct result, as to kind of how she's been able to kind of play off the ball a little bit. Um, and I'm not saying re- maybe I am saying rest a little bit, if you will, um, being able to not necessarily have to have the ball in her hands and that type of taxing effort that is required from it. Now she's able to be um, in a different position where she can be at the two and the ball's not in her hands. And, and that helps her. That helps her from a physicality standpoint. That helps her from an energy standpoint. That helps her be able to do what she's doing right now. And that's a great point that you brought up. It's interesting. And, and right before we close out this episode, because we're kind of running over on time, Something that I'm looking at on the flip side, like I said, I was in, or I, based in D.C., I was at the Sparks D.C. game this past week, and speaking to Brian Agler, head coach of the Sparks, after the game, I asked him something that has always been one of the most intriguing things about any player in the WNBA has been Elena Beard's defense. And I kind of, the way you described it just now about Diane Trossi's offense, I'm seeing a lot of similarities with the defense and how Beard's used. I was talking to him and I said, you know, how do you decide who she goes up against? Because obviously size is a factor. You know, their best player on Washington is E.D. D. E.D. D. Um, but <laughs> you can't just put her on that because that just doesn't make sense, especially if you're talking about who the Sparks have on their roster. And, you know, I asked him why he put her why he put Beard on Cloud, 
And his response was, well, Cloud, you know, is the point guard. So she's a, a lot of the motion. His thought process said that he's told me had a lot to do with the motion in it and trying to not overexhaust Beard by chasing after the person who's running from the pick and, and using that and, and different thought processes on that. And I'm hearing a lot of similarities as far as how you're using Dana Taurasi so that you don't, you know, over overextend her minutes or over exhaust her in those minutes she's playing. That's exactly right. And, and it's, 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 it's a direct correlation. So it, it all comes down to, like you said, overextending. Um, that level of exhaustion, what it takes. Um, how can you, to the best of your capability as a coach, maximize that player's energy levels on and off the ball? What's the best position that you can have them in? Defensively, offensively, in this case, we're talking about Beard. We're talking about you know whether she's guarding the point or she's guarding someone else. Uh, with with Tarazi, it's, it's about maximizing her ability to be out there on the floor as long as possible and continue to play at this high level. If she was, if she was running primarily the one right now, she would not be able to do what she's doing right now. And that's just a fact at this level. Facts from Rachel Galligan. Facts. <laughs> All right, folks. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Aria Schwartz, Rachel Galligan, my amazing co-host. This has been the WNBA Insider Show, each week covering different topics important to the W, X's and O's, along with key stats, and we are not afraid to tell you what we think.